Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the New York Yankees, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for tuning in. Today I'll be talking about Kansas beating North Carolina in the NCAA championship game in what was a classic, and the Rangers suffocate the Devils and win 3-1 Tuesday in an exciting game in New Jersey. So let's go ahead and get started. Monday night, the men's NCAA National Championship college basketball game was played between North Carolina and Kansas, and what a game it was. This was an incredible game, and Kansas ended up defeating North Carolina for the National Championship. Uh, It was an interesting start to the game. It was all Carolina, you know, in the first half. It was just a tremendous defense by the Tar Heels. Tons of offensive rebounds for Carolina, which would be a theme the whole game. Kansas early could not seem to keep Carolina off the boards offensively, and it killed them. Carolina finished the half on a 30-8 to run and went into the halftime up 40 to 25. It's hard to imagine a team in the national championship game going on a 30 to 8 run as Carolina did and not winning the game, but that's what happened. 30 to 8 in the run up to halftime. So they were down 15 at the half, Kansas, and Kansas stormed back in the second half. They put together a 12 to 1 run at one point to close to 46 45 with, you know, about 12 minutes left, 11 minutes left. And back and forth it went. It was 50-50 to when Kansas hit a huge three to put Kansas up for the first time since very early in the first half, right? So Kansas was then up maybe 56-50. And it was, at that point, a 31-10 to run that they had put together themselves after halftime. Really an incredible back and forth, you know, streak of runs here. Uh, late in the game, it was 65-63 Kansas with 345 left in what really became a classic second half. Uh, Carolina continued to get offensive rebound after offensive rebound You know, as the second half wore on. Carolina retook the lead 69-68 on their fourth consecutive <laughs> trip with an offensive rebound. So they came down the court, missed, got an offensive rebound, scored, did it again on the next possession, did it again on the next possession, and did it again on the next one. So four times missed a shot, caught the offensive rebound and scored. This one had put Carolina up 69-68. Rebounds are just unbelievably important in basketball and really they're the signature thing in my mind that is not talked about but that leads to wins and losses in basketball. Preventing offensive rebounds when you're the defensive team and getting offensive rebounds if you're the offensive team you know, is absolutely the most underappreciated thing in basketball. So with about 45 seconds left and Kansas was up by one, Carolina had the ball and their outstanding center for Carolina. Back, Backcott, I guess, uh, B-A-C-O-T is his name. He turned an ankle and turned the ball over to Kansas. It was a tough thing to watch. He had been fantastic all night, stout defensively, scoring the ball, but he was out for the game. And that, I think kind of put the dagger in Kansas, even though it was a one-point game then. It was a critical spot. Uh, Carolina had the ball, down one, and just like that, their star center is out of the game, and they turn the ball over. Um, Kansas, I don't know what they did at that point, though. You know, as he was down and out of the play, they sort of stopped attacking, right, because he was down on the court, uh, way down at the North Carolina offensive zone, and Kansas brought the ball up and just kind of did nothing and dribbled, and then once that got hopped, 
you know, back down the floor. The refs then blew the whistle. It was a weird thing. I think if it was me, I would have just, you know, kept playing five on four and tried to score. But the refs didn't blow the whistle until he was back on the Kansas offensive side of the board. It was an odd decision with the national championship on the line and only 36 seconds left in the game when the whistle was finally blown. In the end, it didn't matter. But still, it's something that I don't know what Kansas was thinking there. Um, on the same possession, they went inside to their center and McCormick, you know, scored down low. Uh, with Carolina's huge center out of the game, he played a big role, and that put uh, Kansas up three, 72-69. Carolina missed a few three-pointers, you know, got a few more offensive rebounds on the last possession, um, threw the ball out of bounds with 4.6 seconds left. Um, Kansas, though, <laughs> in what is uh, causing flashbacks for me to Rutgers, could not properly inbound the ball with 4.6 seconds left and turn the ball over by stepping out of bounds. So you're up three, you have the ball, four seconds left, you can't inbound it properly. So Carolina gets the ball down three, you know, but they miss a three-pointer at the buzzer and Kansas wins the national championship game. Um, it com- Kansas completed the largest comeback in the history of the NCAA championship game, coming back from a 16-point deficit to win the championship. And it was pure heartache for the Tar Heels, who were up 15 at the half. I mean, what a tremendous, tremendous game. Uh, there were 18 lead changes in this game. 18 lead changes. Fantastic. I mean, college basketball in March continues to be nothing short of spectacular. No matter what you may think of college basketball during the year, every single year, March managed just lights up the TV screens and arenas with excitement, outstanding play, amazing upsets, just kind of a fever dream of incredible play. It really, if you're not going to watch any of those sports, you got to watch March Madness. Um, this March Madness ended just like it began with outstanding college basketball, dramatic finishes, incredible heartache, exciting, impossible finishes to games, and really end-to-end excitement that characterizes March Madness You know, throughout time. It does continue to be, in my opinion, the single most exciting three weeks in sports. And this game was, you know, certainly lived up to that. So let's go ahead and move on to the Rangers. The Rangers beat the Devils Tuesday night in New Jersey, 3-1. to one. It was a much-needed victory for the Rangers after two consecutive losses, and both of which the Rangers played pretty poorly against inferior teams. That disaster on Friday night against the Islanders and a loss in the shootout to the Flyers the other night. Tuesday night was different, however, in a couple ways. For one, Georgiev was in goal for the Rangers, <laughs> who started the game pretty strong, by the way, with seven shots on goal in the first five minutes the Rangers did. Uh, it was funny because the crowd was plenty pro-Rangers for a road game. Boy, they were cheering, let's go Rangers. They were booing Subban every time he touched the friggin' puck. That scumbag Subban, you know, he's a double player who kind of sloop-footed Sammy Blay early in the year. And Sammy Blay, the new Ranger, turned tore his ACL, and he's out for the year. So Subban properly was booed in his home arena from the very strong, you know, pro Rangers contingent. They were just as loud or louder than the entire Devil fans. At least that's how it appeared on TV. The Ranger fans really came out for this game. So that was interesting. However, an early really bad giveaway by Jacob Truba, a rare one for him this year, cost the Rangers as the devil, and his name escapes me at the moment, he broke in on a breakaway. And of course, Georgiev got beat, just as every single other player in the history of time 
seems to do when coming in on break on Gurgoff on a breakaway, right? He just, I don't know. It put the Devils up one nothing in a game where the Devils were just being dominated in. It was all Rangers, all Rangers, all Rangers. One breakaway, and the Rangers are losing one nothing. One shot, one goal. I mean, it was a nice call. But seriously, at what point in his career is Yorgov actually going to stop anyone on a breakaway? You know, maybe tune in next week. I don't know. Perhaps I'm being dramatic here, but I'm telling you, I can't remember in my mind's eye one time when Yorgov stops anyone on a breakaway. He's like 0 for 10 million. At some point, Yorgov stops somebody on a friggin' breakaway one time. Okay, so some of the good things. Schneider was back in the lineup. Thank God. I've been singing this kid's praises forever. Um, he's a 20-year-old who is a big, strong defenseman and has been playing well for the Rangers for the last, say, two months or so since he's been called up. And he was in the lineup, not in place of Braun this time, but in place of Nemeth, which also makes this podcaster particularly happy because I am not a Nemeth fan. So the third defensive pairing tonight was Schneider and Braun, which is interesting. They're both righties, and uh, I don't know if they were switching sides, um, but I think Schneider was more on the right side and Braun more on the left. But whatever it is, I will take it. Schneider in the lineup, Nemeth out of lineup, I will take every night of the year. And Schneider made immediate contributions. He played well defensively, and he had a fantastic body check on a devil in the first period. And I mean, it was a highlight reel, train crash, just a decleater. It was awesome. I mean, he decleated this dude, and he must have been seeing stars. It was a tremendous hit. You know, however, nowadays in the NHL, right, because hockey somehow has sort of turned into the sport where when you make a clean hit, not a dirty one, but a clean hit, now you get challenged and have to fight the other team. And so it was this time, uh, but it worked out because Schneider kicked the devil's ass in a fight, just whooped him like a dog. It was awesome. So he decleated this guy in a great clean hit, then beat the shit out of, out of the guy who challenged him. And the devil, this, this devil idiot, got a two-minute instigator, a five-minute fighting minor, major, and then a 10-minute misconduct the devil did and just just how it should be and you know i'm really happy that this was the call this time because with this bullshit new nhl mentality what these teams have nowadays where clean hits are immediately met with fighting it's utterly ridiculous and it has to stop right stronger penalties like this will help if you know they're consistently enforced i mean if someone on the other team takes it, say, a cheap shot at one of your guys, right? Not a clean one, but a cheap shot. Then, yeah, it's warranted. You got to have one of your guys go do something about it, right? And maybe you try to fight him. But when someone, you know, on the other team lands a clean hit, you know, this ensuing, oh, let me challenge him. This fighting has to stop. And instigator penalties have to be levied just as they were Tuesday night in New Jersey. If you want to fight someone for no reason, just because the other team played within the rules and got in a nice clean hit, you need to be called for a penalty and you need to be shorthanded. This has to be dealt with by the NHL. And it was tonight and it worked out perfectly. Schneider was great. He had the great hit. He defended himself. He kicked the devil's ass and drew a pen power play. Um, his teammates all set up and collapsed as they should have. It was spectacular. Schneider needs to be in the lineup every friggin' night. Gallant. Can you hear me, Gallant? Every night. Also, by the way, Strom returned to the lineup tonight, which is a very welcome sight. And Strom is needed on this team. And the Rangers on this power play that Schneider drew cashed in on the power play. And Strom scored on his first night back, and he tied the game 1-1. So Schneider's hit was the turning point 
in this game going forward because the Rangers were down one nothing and bam the whole night changed and after that hit so with the Rangers back on the power play again a little bit later Kreider then scored his um 47th goal of the year if you can believe it 47 goals on this power play that came off of Schneider's hit it was the 20 fifth power play goal of the year which basically is which is a new rangers record 25 power play goals incredible what an amazing amazing year for chris Kreider and the rangers power play is definitely back on track this his goal was not off the off the schneider hit but off of a later um power play so that was the second one the rangers were two for two and boy they look good at that point the game just changed after that schneider hit the second period, and the Rangers just sort of started to lock everything down defensively. They went into a defensive game, and they didn't shoot much or get any scoring chances, and they didn't really allow much either. But the Rangers did not get any shots on goal for the first 12 minutes of the second period, where they finally got a shot on goal. Um, and then that was it. They didn't get any more the rest of the second period. They weren't playing too poorly, but they certainly weren't generating many scoring chances. Uh, that was it. Um, it was not a terrible period, but the Rangers definitely needed to generate more offense than one friggin' shot. Um, but at least they played pretty sound defensively throughout the period. The Rangers um, started off the, the third period, you know, up two to one. But again, we're not getting any shots. Um, then out of nowhere, four minutes into the third, <laughs> Braun <laughs> scored out a long slop shot, which was, again, the only shot of the period for the Rangers, you know, up until that point. Um, and that put the Rangers up three to one. Uh, the Rangers, you know, were playing well defensively and continued to play well defensively the rest of the third period. And there really wasn't much else to say other than the Rangers locked it down, played strong defensively, shut down the Devils. And won the game three to one. Shockingly, 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 Alexander Georgiev has now won five games in a row when he's been in net, which is just completely shocking to me because he has not played particularly well in any of the five games except for that one amazing, astounding game he had against Carolina, where he was just utterly brilliant. One of the best games in goal I've ever seen from anyone. But the other four, he's sucked balls, and somehow he's been 5-0. and So, you know, kudos to the Rangers, you know, but Gregorov is 5-0 and in the last five, so good for him. Uh, the Rangers only <laughs> had one shot in the second period, only had three shots on goal in the third period, but that was good enough to win. Um, they did play pretty well defensively, and it was a sort of a tight, sound game, and the Schneider hit won this game <laughs> in this podcaster's mind. He turned the game around. And that's all I have. The Rangers are back in action on Thursday night against the Pittsburgh Penguins on a game that will be streaming only on ESPN+. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please click like and tell your friends all about it. I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks. Have a good day.